0: Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA Podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Life Church, it's Pastor Jim, it's good to be with you again today. Today is Palm Sunday, the day in which we celebrate the fact that Jesus entered into Jerusalem in that last week of his life to celebrate the Passover festival. It was a huge party that day, so often churches on this day will have children parade around their churches waving palm branches and talking about how great uh, Jesus is. We'll find out as we look at the biblical text today, what happened on Palm Sunday was very different than what you might think Uh, from all the celebrations that we put on. We'll get to that in just a minute. I do have some good news I want to share with you today. Uh, We had uh, a great story come up in the life of our church this last week. Uh, One of our church members, in fact, one of our board members, uh, led a college student to Jesus this last week. Introduced a college student to Jesus who had never before uh, professed a deep faith in Jesus. And now that uh, college student is going to be celebrating Easter in an entirely new way this year. And so we're thankful for that. Uh, that That is what we're all about. Real life exists. To lead lost people to Jesus a community of grace uh, with a God-sized vision for every generation so uh, celebrating that and thankful for that let's take a minute and pray together Father I thank you that you've called us to yourself that you do continue to reach into the lives of people who have wandered from you and you call us home and so I pray for all those out there who are runaways uh, who are are not who do not feel close to you who feel like they've pushed you away or who are afraid to enter into your presence father by your power call them back by your love call them back may each and every one of us turn and look in the direction of jesus as we celebrate easter this year Uh, god i thank you uh, for the power of your spirit to redeem broken people now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight lord our strength and our redeemer amen so uh so you got to picture uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, this is the, the Sunday that Jesus went into Jerusalem last week of his life, a few days before uh, he was crucified. And when you see churches celebrate this thing, uh, we, we cheer, we celebrate, kids walk around waving palm branches. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy. And if you're new to the church and you don't know the story of Palm Sunday, and the only thing you have to base your understanding of Palm Sunday on is the way the church acts on Palm Sunday, you'll think, oh, well, it must be like big game day. It must be like a homecoming because they they seem to be throwing a party maybe this is the day they celebrate how much they like Jesus because they all seem to be cheering for him what happens on Palm Sunday is a lot like something that happened uh, in a football game uh, decades and decades ago there was a football player named uh, Jim Marshall who played for the Vikings and uh, there was a time in 1964 where he had a career defining game now when he retired, he had all kinds of accolades to his name. He had recovered the most number of fumbles. He had started the most number of times uh, in a, uh, in a consecutively in, a, uh, in the league. Um, he had all kinds of things to his name. But this one event became the defining uh, play of his career. He recovered a fumble when they were playing against the 49ers. And he ran 66 yards into the end zone at the wrong end of the field. He got disoriented, and when he recovered this fumble, he started running towards the 49ers end zone. And when he got to the end zone, he, hearing the crowds cheering, hearing the crowds yelling, he threw the, fo- uh, the football into the stands, uh, scoring a safety for the 49ers, right? Scoring points for the other team. Uh, became known as Jim Wrongway Marshall was uh, how he was known after that. Now, his team still won the game, and he went on to have a fabulous career, but that is what he's remembered for. Uh, and a funny thing uh, happened uh, for all that. Uh, yeah, there was only, uh, I think, only one other player who had ever done that, Roy Regals, who did it in 1929. And uh, Regal sent uh, Marshall a letter after that that said, Welcome to the club. <laughs> uh, but, but, I, but I wonder about what it must have sounded like inside of jim marshall's helmet when he is running towards the end zone thinking that he's doing what is right and all the crowds are yelling you're going the wrong way turn around and all he can hear is the noise and it sounds like they're cheering for him well there's a little bit of an analogy to palm sunday there because jesus was going into jerusalem with plans of establishing a kingdom And all the crowds on that day were cheering for him because they wanted a kingdom. But the kingdom they wanted was not the one he was providing. And if they knew what Jesus' plans were, they would have been yelling, you're going the wrong way, turn around. They're cheering for him and celebrating him because they want something from him. But it's not what he's going to give them. And a few days later, they're going to turn on him. A few days later, the crowds are not going to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A few days later, what they're going to shout is, crucify him. And as a child, I was always baffled by this. When I read this in Sunday school, I didn't understand how the crowds could turn so quickly. But when you look at the Passover text and you see what's going on, it will all of a sudden make sense. They wanted a kingdom led by a general who would come in and throw Rome out of power and set Israel free. Jesus came in to establish a kingdom based on humility. A kingdom which surrendered power even to the point of dying on the cross. Jesus taught a kingdom in which one would relinquish worldly wealth and seek to love one's enemies instead of seeking revenge on them. And that was not the kingdom that they wanted. The difference, of course, is that Jim Marshall was confused and running was in the wrong direction. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. It was the crowds who were confused. But on Palm Sunday, just realize the cheering is all wrong. The cheering is all off. Let me show you what I mean. Look in your Bibles at Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 1. We're going to read this passage in which Jesus goes into Jerusalem, and the people celebrate the Passover festival, which was an annual holiday that they celebrated every year. They're not just doing this for Jesus. They would have had this party anyway, but Jesus goes into Jerusalem on the date of this big Passover party. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Listen to the word of God. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, the first thing we have to understand about this is what's going on at Passover. Passover was an annual holiday that they had celebrated for 1,500 years. Ever since Israel had been set free from slavery in Egypt, every year they had an Independence Day party, just like we have the 4th of July. And they remembered, God overthrew Pharaoh and set us free. God loves for his people to be free. That's their Independence Day. That's Passover. It's called Passover because when they were were slaves in Egypt, there came a day where Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And God's spirit passed over Egypt, hence Passover. And all of the firstborn of the Egyptians died. And this threw Egypt into chaos so the Israelites could run free into the wilderness in pursuit of their homeland. Every year after that, they celebrated their Independence Day and they remembered the fact that God killed Pharaoh and set them free. Um, Now what's uh, uh, happening here is that inside Jerusalem... Uh, Rome, now Rome rules over Israel, and inside Jerusalem, Rome has set up a puppet king, King Herod. And the Jewish people hate King Herod. They want to be free from King Herod. And so at Passover, when they celebrate Independence Day, you can imagine what they're talking about is independence from Rome. They were set free from Egypt, they've been set free from Babylon, and now they want to be set free from Rome. And Independence Day is the perfect day to talk about that. So you can imagine how terrible it would have been being a Roman centurion stationed at the gates of Jerusalem on Passover. You're the bad guy on Independence Day, standing there at the gates, watching Israelites who were required to go to Jerusalem for this festival, marching towards the gates. You're standing there in your, doing your duty, where you're positioned, and the Israelites are marching towards you with one thing in mind. God killed Pharaoh. God killed Pharaoh. God killed Pharaoh. It is not good to be a Roman in Jerusalem on Passover. It'd be like being the Queen of England on the Fourth of July. The Americans are a little bit disobedient, right? So, so the um, so so the the Romans now are are not excited about Passover. During the week, the Jewish people have a certain uh, meal that they celebrate, it's their Independence Day meal. You know on the 4th of July where you have uh, hot dogs and Coca-Cola, uh, they would have this meal that, that, go, that went all the way back to Egypt. Because in Egypt, when God's spirit passed over Egypt, God to- told the Israelites, that night for dinner, I want you to have a lamb for dinner. And I want you to take a little of the Lamb's blood and mark your doorway with it. And when the Spirit passes over Egypt, if your house is marked with the blood of the lamb, your house will be kept safe. While the firstborn of the Egyptians die, your house will be kept safe. So mark your doorway with the blood of the lamb. And so in these Passover uh, celebrations, they would have uh, a meal called their Seder meal. And uh, they'd have lamb for dinner. And they would pour a cup of wine, and they would say, "Remember how we marked the doorposts with, with blood, red, red like this wine." And they would pa- pla- uh, pass around flat bread, bread that had not risen, and say, "Remember when we ran away from Israel? We ran out into the desert, and we didn't even have time to wait for the bread to rise that day. We had to run so fast. We had to get away so fast. We had flat bread that day, and they would have flat bread around the table. Uh, they would eat." bitter herbs, and say, remember the bitterness of our time in slavery. Thank, we're thankful for a God who set us free. Now, that was their Seder meal, and we celebrate a version of that today when we celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, because Jesus celebrated the Seder meal with his friends that last week uh, in uh, Jerusalem. Now, uh, what's, what's happening here is they're celebrating Independence Day, they hate Rome, and they're waiting for a king to come and set them free. And Jesus has been going around doing the kinds of things that kings do. He's amazing. They call him a prophet in this text, but he's better than a prophet. He's been healing the sick and raising the dead. He knows what people are thinking before they say anything. Uh, He's got these these incredible gifts that they've never seen before. And Jesus is marching into Jerusalem on the the date of their Independence Day. So they do uh, a couple of things, two or three different things, which show you where their heart is. It shows you what they're expecting. He's marching into Jerusalem, and they wave palm branches in front of him. Well, they didn't just make that up that day. That comes from Leviticus chapter 23, where during one of the Jewish holidays, they would wave palm branches as they praised God. It was a sign that they were honoring God. And so here's Jesus coming into town, and they're doing something that they would normally do to honor God. They wave palm branches in front of him. They lay cloaks on the pathway in front of him. That actually comes from second kings. That was something that would, you would do when a new king was anointed ruler over Israel. You would lay cloaks in front of him as he came in. And so they're laying cloaks in front of Jesus as though he were becoming king. Well, you know who's inside Jerusalem? Herod. King Herod is inside Jerusalem. He's the king of the Jewish people. And here they are honoring Jesus as if he's a king that's about to be anointed. They call him the son of David. That's not an accident either. In order to be the great and awaited king, the king that they had prophesied about, the king that they were waiting for, you had to be in the bloodline of David. You had to be a descendant of David to inherit the promises that God had made to David this one 's a little foreign to us uh, in, uh, in modern American democracies because we we elect our leaders we don 't have leaders come in as the, the the child of the leader before them. You, you know this was common in, uh, in monarchies that often the, the king would try to appoint uh, one of his sons to become the king after him or uh, or you know if uh, in the Br- British monarchy you inherit being king or queen based on who your parents were we don 't really have an equivalent here in America. The closest you can come is when we talk about how um, Aragorn was Isidore's heir, and you had to have somebody in the line of Isidore to rise and be the king. And of course, Aragorn had to uh, wield Narsil, the sword that had been destroyed when Isiador uh, uh, went uh, to fight against uh, Sauron. Uh, and of course, the sword's been broken, but it was remade by Elrond and is now um, Erendil, the new uh, sword, so Aragorn can wield it. There's not really a biblical equivalent there, you just really need to know what happened in Lord of the Rings. Uh, you should uh, write that down, that's gonna be on the quiz. Um, so anyway, uh, Aragorn had to be in the line of the king to inherit the throne in order to uh, set the people free, essentially. they needed The Israelites needed a descendant in the line of David, in the bloodline of David, to inherit the throne in Jerusalem, to be the king of Israel. And so it's important that in the genealogies at the beginning of Matthew and Luke, it traces Jesus back through King David. Jesus is a descendant, in the bloodline of King David. So he's qualified to be the king of Israel. And so when he comes into Jerusalem, they call him the son of David. That's not an accident. They're saying you're qualified to king. be king. We lay our cloaks in front of you like we would when a king is anointed. We wave palm branches like we do for God in our other festivals. They're honoring Jesus in all kinds of ways that are symbolic, that show exactly what they expected of him. And they do all this on the holiday in which they celebrate the fact that God set them free from slavery and the rulership of a foreign kingdom and gave them Moses to be their leader. They're they're showing in all kinds of ways the expectations that they have set up for Jesus. And their expectations lead them to cheer for him on that day. but What they're cheering for is not what Jesus is offering. What they're expecting is not what he's bringing. I remember freshman year of high school, I went out for the cross country team. And the first time we had a cross country race, three mile race, I came in dead last. And I walked up to my coach after the race and he says, Jim, I think you're underperforming. I said, I think you're overexpecting. Well, on the day Jesus went into Jerusalem, they were overexpecting, or at least wrongly expecting. They wanted something completely different than what Jesus had to offer them. This is confusing when you come into Palm Sunday. Here in modern-day America, and you watch the kids wave their palm branches, and we sing loud, and we're so thankful for Jesus, Palm Sunday is actually a little bit embarrassing. It's the date that humanity got it wrong. When Jesus invites us into his kingdom, he never forces anyone into it he never seeks to take power over other people. This is a message that the modern American church has lost. When we seek to follow Jesus, we do not seek to take power over people who are not Christians and force them to act as though they were. That is not the way of Jesus. That is the way of Rome. The way of Jesus is, is to seek to reach one heart at a time in love and to give our lives away in service so that people might know the God who loved us enough to serve us, to take up the, the servant's hand towel and wash his disciples' feet, though he was God of the entire universe. Christians are not invited into a kingdom in which we take power over other people. That is not the gospel. That is not our calling. That is not what we are permitted to do. Christians are called to surrender in love, to bring about a kingdom which extends to the ends of the earth one heart at a time because we love people in Jesus' name. Before we go cheering for Jesus, consider what our expectations for him actually are. If we're expecting him to give us power and to put us in charge, to put down the people that we think might be a bad influence on us, that's not what he offered. If you're expecting to surrender your life to him and let him use your life in grace, then you're on the right track. Consider your expectations here. Now, it's not that Jesus doesn't have power over the universe. He absolutely does. Everything is in his hands. He absolutely has power over the universe. And it's not that he doesn't empower his followers. He does empower his followers in amazing ways, just not necessarily the ways that we at first cheered for. Think about the power that God actually has given to you and I. Through the course of the pandemic, over the course of the last year, I've gone and helped at pantries almost every week where we give out groceries to people who are driving through the line. They don't have to get out of the car, so we're distance from each other. They pop open their trunk, and we put groceries in their trunk so they have enough food to eat for the week. And as they drive by, we'll, you know, they'll roll down the window a little bit and we'll pray uh, from, the, from outside the car over the person who's going through the line. I actually got to pray with a guy who decided to follow Jesus for the first time this last year. Um, his business had gone... Uh, through a, a, a just catastrophe, right at about the time he had started praying and saw God blessing his business as he prayed, uh, the, the pandemic hit and his business was in trouble. And uh, he had never actually decided to follow Jesus before. He didn't know who he was praying to. He was just reaching out in the darkness. And God responded to that prayer. And anytime we reach out to pray to God, God is eager to respond to that prayer. And he decided to follow Jesus that day, and he downloaded a Bible on his phone right there in line. And I know he's celebrating Easter in an entirely new way this year. We have the power to change lives so that people's stories are changed, so that the things people live for have changed. You're invited to absolutely transform the world. Not by taking power over other people, but by loving them in Jesus' name. If you want to change the world, go help someone. If you want to change the world, go love someone. But don't try to take power over anyone. Um, Think about um, the the power that you have this week to invite someone into the life of the church and into the life of faith next week on Easter. Easter is a great Sunday Sunday in which to invite people to church. A lot of people are open to considerations of church uh, on Easter who have not been to church in a long time. And you have the power to be a voice in their lives that points them towards Jesus. Uh, I remember visiting uh, an old church at which I used to be an associate pastor in Hawaii. And uh, I remembered that there was a woman who had started going to that church when I was an associate pastor because I met her and I invited her to church and she started going. And uh, she had come out of a terrible church experience. She had been burned by her previous church, didn't want to go back. But I invited her to that church, and she started going to that church. Well, when I moved away to move out to California, when I left Hawaii, I thought, I don't know if she's going to stick. I mean, she came to this church because I invited her, and I'm, I'm taking off. I don't know if she's going to stay here. But I, I went back there on uh, vacation uh, at one and pre-pandemic, uh, on, on vacation, and there she was still attending that church. And I realize now that that invitation and that connection that we had once shared has become a part of her storyline, a part of her story in which she turned her way back towards Jesus. You have the opportunity this week to be the voice in the life of someone you love or someone you've just met and say, hey, would you consider coming to church this week for Easter? It's kind of a big deal. And that voice in that life, that little risk that you take to step out can make all the difference in changing someone's story for the rest of eternity. Don't miss the opportunity this week. God has empowered you to change the world. If you're worried about the world, if you're uh, afraid of how the world has become today, if you think everything is a mess, go and invite people to follow Jesus. If you think the world is a mess, go and love people. But don't try to take power over them. That's not what Jesus has called us to. This is the the message of Palm Sunday. The crowds got it wrong. They were expecting someone to give them power so that they could throw out Rome and take control over things again. That is not what Jesus came for. Jesus came to send us to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. He's risen from the dead, and they go to them and say, can we have the kingdom now? And he says, I'm not going to tell you. When you get to have a kingdom. But here's what you're going to do. Go love your friends in Judea. Go love your enemies in Samaria. Love the people you don't like. And then take the kingdom to the ends of the earth. One heart at a time. Beyond all national boundaries. Without taking power over people. Go and love people in my name. And Jesus' love has transformed the world that way. Look at how Jesus treated power. Look at what he did to power. There's a, a famous quote from uh, Emperor Napoleon of France, who, if you don't know, uh, after the, the French revo- Revolution in the 1770s, about the same time the Americans were having their little tea party, uh, having our revolution, the, uh, the French had a little revolution, and then Napoleon went around uh, basically conquering and slaughtering, and just he was a dictator. Uh, he was actually a, a, a pretty horrific leader. Um, and... Uh, he, there's a quote that is attributed to him. I cannot find out for sure if he actually said this, or if somewhere in history somebody made this up and attributed this to this to him. But as far as we know of, this came from his mouth. Uh, and, and here's uh, here's what he presumably said. He said, uh, "Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself have founded great empires. Right? Alexander of Greece, Caesar of Rome, uh, Charlemagne of France. All these great dictators of history have." Uh, Founded great empires. But upon what did these creations of our genius depend? Upon force. Jesus alone founded his empire upon love. And to this very day, millions will die for him. It's actually two billion in the world today. I think I understand something of human nature, and I tell you, all these were men, and I am a man. No one else is like him. Jesus Christ was more than man. Across a chasm of 1,800 years, Jesus Christ makes a demand which is beyond all others to satisfy. He asks for the human heart. He will have it entirely to himself. He demands it unconditionally. And forthwith his demand is granted. In defiance of time and space, the soul of man with all its powers and faculties, becomes an annexation of the empire of Christ. All who sincerely believe in him experience that remarkable supernatural love towards him. Time, the great destroyer, is powerless to extinguish the sacred flame. Time can neither exhaust its strength nor put a limit to its range." Whether Napoleon said that or not, the claim is true. The great dictators of history, great quote-unquote dictators of history, have built their empires upon force. Jesus took up the servant's towel, surrendered in humility to the point of death on a cross. When, the Bible says, he could have called down legions of angels to protect him, he surrendered to the point of death on a cross. So that when you and I believe in him, his death on the cross takes all of our sin and all of our brokenness, all of our guilt and all of our shame, and it goes to the cross with him. When you believe in Jesus, you are absolutely forgiven because all of your brokenness is transferred onto his cross. And there it dies. There it gets what it deserved. You no longer carry any of the guilt for anything you've ever done wrong. Just like if you owe money to somebody and I go and pay it for you, you no longer owe them money. Though you've done nothing to deserve that. If somebody goes and pays it for you, you've done nothing, but you are now no longer indebted. When you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, you stand in front of God absolutely innocent. And that's what he wants for you today. He wants you to step across that line and say, I am going to follow Jesus. I do believe in Jesus. I can't do this on my own. I need him he's never going to force you into that decision. He will absolutely let you make your own choices to the end of this life. He only wants to love you. And when we open up our hearts to him and surrender to him, he's eager to to rush in and to build a new kingdom in our hearts. A kingdom of healing and of love and of grace and of forgiveness. He's dying to do that for you now. He died to do that for you 2,000 years ago. He's never going to force you. But the invitation is always there, and the door is always open. You just have to walk through it. At the beginning of his life, King Herod, king of the Jews appointed by Rome, heard that a king had been born, a child who had been born who would be king of the Jews. And Herod went around killing all the babies that had been born at that time, trying to weed out this Messiah that he heard had been born. At the end of Jesus' life, the Romans forced a crown of thorns over his head and put a sign on his cross that said the king of the Jews to make fun of him to say, you didn't get power, you're not the king. Jesus never came to be that kind of king. He didn't come to usurp Herod he didn't come to throw off Rome he came to take over the world one heart at a time in love Palm Sunday is the day in which we're reminded we need to get our expectations straight the crowds cheered for the king they wanted and it's not the king that Jesus came to be who are you cheering for today? Are you cheering for a god who'll answer all your prayers, give you everything you want, give you power and control over the world? Or are you cheering for the god who absolutely recklessly loves you? And wants you wants to set you free to love other people as well. That's the question of Palm Sunday. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would speak your love into our hearts and where we have in our fears and insecurity sought to take power over other people around us, over the world in general, set us free from that need to control. Set us free to surrender to you with open hands and open hearts, to place our lives in your hands and to trust that your will is best. Teach us to love our friends and our enemies the way you love all of us. And as we love, may we point the world towards you, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you for Easter. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.